Welcome, listeners, to our patron preview of The Hateful Eight. This here is Daisy Domergoo. She's wanted dead or alive for murder. When that sun comes out, I'm taking this woman to hang. Is there anybody here committed to stopping me from doing that? Well, well, well. Looks like Minnie's haberdashery is about to get cozy for the next few days. Yes, it does. So, The Hateful Eight, released in 2015, starring, I'll just do The Hateful Eight here, Samuel L. Jackson, Kurt Russell, Jennifer Jason Leigh, Walton Goggins, Demian Bashar, Tim Roth, Michael Madsen, and Bruce Dern, directed once again by the man, Quentin Tarantino. He is the man. He is indeed. No one doubts it. Spoken from the the mouth of the man himself. The man himself. (laughs) The man himself. He would say that. (laughs) We can kind of get a glimpse of it here because apparently his two primary cinematic influences for this film were The Thing and Reservoir Dogs. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, I this movie stinks of Reservoir Dogs. Yeah? Like, But to come out and say, yeah, a lot of cinematic influences here, but definitely Reservoir Dogs. Are, oh, all of- <laughs> yeah. No one could get away with saying that. Except him. Except him. <laughs> the Thing... I mean, I can see it because it's obviously set in snow and there's a Kurt sense Russell. of- Kurt Russell. And there's a sense of um, isolation yep. and- Mystery um, of who the who the one is. Yeah. yeah. Who the thing is. is. Sort of. Yeah. Not quite, but I, I get that. I get that. So did you hear about the pre-production issues of The Hateful Eight? No, I did not. Enlighten me, young man. This got halted in early 2014 after the script was Ooh, leaked online. You yes. hear about this one, did he you? He was nearly going to not make it. Yeah. And- uh, so yeah, someone convinced him to. He was going to rewrite it and release it as a novel instead. But after they did a brief reading of the script in LA, the cast was stunned and they got excited for the film and Samuel L. Jackson actually persuaded him to do the movie. And, you know, Tarantino listens to Jackson, so he accepted. Yeah. We also have a little discussion here about casting decisions, looking at the casting of Daisy Darmagoo. Is that all right? Is that a good accent? No. Oh, you got a better one? No. Well, then mine's better. <laughs> uh, Michelle Williams, Robin Ugh. Wright. Ugh. Really? Robin Wright? No. I get Robin Wright confused with Jennifer Jason Lee. What? Yeah. No, come on. Yeah, I do. Princess Buttercup. Really? Well, I watched it the other day. <laughs> Gina Davis. Ooh, I can't stand Gina Davis. Evan Rachel Wood. She's good. That's uh, Westworld, yes, is it? Yes, it's Westworld. You said, you said yes before you knew what I was going to say. Like, you, I mean, It's the yeah. only thing you would know her from. Uh, yep. Yep. Uh, yep. Uh, Hilary Swank. Ugh. Demi Moore. No. So Jennifer Jason Lee was a good pick? I mean, she was, but- <laughs> She got nominated for Best Supporting Actress. Yeah, she did. What, not not worth it? No. Must have been a soft year. Well, the other nominees were Rachel McAdams for Spotlight, Kate Winslet for Steve Jobs, Rooney Mara for Carol, and the eventual winner, Alicia Vikander for The Danish Girl. Now, I have seen four of those five films, and I think Jennifer Jason Lee should have won. The only one I haven't seen is the actual winner, Alicia Vikander. Really? I haven't seen The Danish Girl. Are you just saying that based on your you like this movie more, or...? You actually generally think the performance is far out, outweighs the others. She's definitely much more prominent in this film than the others. She's just so one note. Maybe Rooney Mara and Carol because it's her and Kate Blanchett in it through the whole film, so maybe. But Rachel McAdams and Kate Winslet, they're just they're in a, you know, quite an ensemble cast, which to be fair, this the same in the Hateful Eight. Yes. But she's the only female in this film, so she's gonna stand out. What's what's her character arc? What's her growth? She's just it doesn't have to be a growth. She's yeah, a she's, she's a just, villain. She's just this filthy thing that screams all the time. She's annoying. That screaming annoyed me. I think she's got some good lines. She's, she she acts it quite well. I think that she puts on a decent performance yeah, here. She's not terrible. I'm not saying she's terrible. I'm just, I don't think she's great. 
Well, let's agree to disagree. Sure. But you did float the idea of uh, winners and losers at the Academy Awards. This did win for a Best Original Score for Ennio Morricone. And so it should have. The yes. score is phenomenal. One of the best things about this film. It, yeah. Yep. Yep. Definitely one of the best things, along with the gorgeous cinematography. Yes. Which was also nominated. Didn't win, though. Oh, it's the cinematography in this fantastic. And not just because it's snow. Like, in general, this film is really nice to look. But in general, when it's snow, it looks a lot better. Yeah, well, it's pristine. And when you get those long shots of just the snow mixed with this music, oh, oh, (laughs) fantastic. It is. (laughs) Interestingly enough, Morricone said he wouldn't work with Tarantino after he butchered the music in Django Unchained, apparently. But he ultimately changed his mind for the better, of course. It's not like he works a lot. And apparently he used some music as well that were, he hadn't used before in his other films. The thing, there was a lot of there was a lot of compositions from the unused scores from the thing that they used. Well, there you go. That's right. Now, something that we've uh, we've known about this film is that this was actually shot on a seventy millimeter lens. Yes, very the old, the old school film. Very old school. Yes, uh, and as a result of doing this, they actually got 50 theatres internationally to be retrofitted with this 70mm analogue film projector to be displayed as it had intended to be. Tarantino doing all these little niche things that aren't happening anymore. Imagine actually seeing this in the 70mm as intended. I know, with the the intermissions and just like an old classic cinema. Oh, wait, wait, Uh, we did that. What? That's right. (laughs) We did one of those 50 international projectors. Yeah, we did. (laughs) Uh, We did go see this up at the Astor Theatre up in uh, southeast Melbourne. And, yeah, it was an experience, I'll tell you that. It really was. Yeah. But the budget of this film, roughly $44 million, and it grossed about 54 in America and $156 million worldwide. Okay, so it still turned a profit, but definitely not one of his most successful. Absolutely not. And especially considering he's, you know, quite popular at this stage. Well, this is his first film since Django... And Django was very well received. One of his highest grossing films. Is it the first film since Django? It is. Three years later. Tarantino usually smashes out a film every three odd years. Now, this is one of those rare films that I've actually seen twice in one day. Really? Yeah. Gee, there's not many. No, there isn't. Actually, I think the one before this was Django Unchained, to be honest. Why? I watched it in the morning and I loved it so much. Then I went and watched it again. Same with this. What other films have you done that with? Honestly, I think those are the those, those are the two that stand out to me. All right, here are the ones that stand out for me that are recent. Ex Machina. Yeah. Rise of the Planet of the Apes. The, the first one. Yes. Yeah. Kick-Ass. Kick-Ass, really? Yeah. Okay. These, were, these were morning viewings, and then I'm pretty sure Brit comes home, and I'm like, we have to watch this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. Yeah. But this does have an average of 7.8. Over 436,000 ratings. This is a tough film to watch twice in one day. It is. It's a slow film. Yes, and a long film at that. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> but does that equate to a bad film? Let's find out what we think of this film, Dean. Yes, let's. Thank you very much, listeners, for checking out this patron preview. Yeah, if you want to check out the whole episode, we've got everything on over at patreon.com slash Journey. And we've got plenty of other episodes over there, including our Die Hard series, Wes Anderson series, tons of other benefits, early access to our main show. Exactly. You can even shape the show the way you want it to be by telling us what movies you want us to review. Yeah, so Dean said a spot on patreon.com slash Journey. Go ahead and head over there and check out all the rewards and benefits that we've got to offer. And we thank you once again for checking us out. Thanks, y'all.